Awesome. If you have your Bible, would you go to 1 Samuel 16? 1 Samuel 16. Today we're going to conclude a little two-part mini-series that we started last week called From Anointing to Appointing. From Anointing to Appointing. We see in the life of King David that before he became king, he was anointed as a boy. Somewhere between 10 and 15 years old, David was anointed to be king. But it wasn't for another 15 or 20 years that he would be appointed to that position before the nation. So we talked about that last week and we gave some background and I would really encourage you to get a hold of the message from last week. You can get it a couple of different ways. You can always go to our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can get it for free there. You can also download it for free on uh, Apple Podcasts as well and listen to it. But get your hands on it and listen to it because it'll help you understand this message a little bit better today. But what we talked about was that there was something different about David that made God choose him above other people. When we look back at the story of David's anointing to one day become the king of Israel, what we see is that God could have chosen somebody more educated, God could have chosen someone more experienced or more qualified, but instead God chose David. And we ask the question, why did God choose David? And what we see is that it's very clearly illustrated to us in 1 Samuel 13 that God was looking for a man after his own heart. And we talked about what it means to be a person, a man or a woman, after God's own heart. What does that mean? Well, we established, number one, it means that we live a life and a lifestyle that is pleasing to God, that brings glory to God. But number two, uh, we are also people who see others as equal to, if not greater than, ourselves. And the reason we know that those are the qualifications or, or the definition of being a person after God's own heart is because they fall right in line with the greatest commandments that Jesus gave us, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you would love your neighbor as yourself. And we also see that it was the perfect way to describe the position that David was going to be called to. God was looking for a king who would rule over a nation that would bring glory to him, first of all, but he was looking for a king that wasn't in it for power, but understood he was taking on the responsibility of God's people. So we talked about that, and we also talked about that anointing, the significance of the anointing of the Lord. When we see the anointing throughout Scripture, it's always symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the favor of God, the hand of God coming down and touching somebody. And we talked about how God is continually looking for people that he can pour his anointing onto to accomplish his kingdom purposes in this earth and in this life. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro continually looking, continually searching throughout the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. And we established last Sunday that if we can be people who's ha who have hearts after God, our hearts are loyal to him, we live lives and lifestyles that bring glory to God, and we view others as being equal to, if not greater than ourselves, then we will become the perfect candidates for God to reach down and pour his anointing onto, and we will then become vessels that God will use on this earth. Do you believe that this morning? How many people want to be those kind of vessels in this earth? I don't know about you, but I don't want anything less than the very best that God has for my life, and I don't think you should either. Don't settle for anything less than the best that God has for your life. We also went on and we talked about, a, we, we started talking about some of these scenes in David's life between the time of his anointing and then the day of his appointing. And the first scene we looked at was when David goes from being anointed back into the pasture, back into his father's fields to look out after his father's sheep. And we see that when David is anointed to one day be king, he doesn't immediately go to the palace. Instead, he goes to the pasture. 
And scripture doesn't give us a whole lot of evidence about how long he was there. We're going to talk more about that in just a second. But what we know is that these were not insignificant years. Instead, God was using these years that seemed to be insignificant to form a significant character in David that would qualify him to one day be the king over God's people. And I say one more time this morning just so that we all understand. You might be in a season right now that seems small compared to the calling that God has placed on your life. Do not despise the day of small beginnings because God wants to use these small beginnings to shape you and me into the people he's calling us to one day become. The calling that is before you might be greater than the place you currently find yourself standing, but that doesn't mean the season you're in now is insignificant. No, God is using it to shape you and mold you and create you into the person he's calling you to be. So don't give up if you're standing in a day of small beginnings. So we talked about David being in the field with his father's sheep, that's a really loud plane, and he's out taking care of his father's sheep, and those were really significant days, but they lead us perfectly into the next passage of scripture that we're going to read from this morning. So look with me, if you will, 1 Samuel 16, first at verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, the first king of Israel, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, I'm just going to stop right there and there's some really deep theology to be found in that. A distressing spirit from the Lord. We would never stand up and say that the Lord is going to send you a distressing or a tormenting spirit. But it happened right there in scripture. And you might be wondering, so does God send distressing or tormenting spirits? And the answer from me is, I don't know, but I will say this. If you're not disobedient to God, you'll never have to find out, okay? So let's just leave it at that. Look at verse 17. So Saul said to his servants, provide me now a man who can play the harp well and bring him to me. Verse 18, then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Say it again. The Lord is with him. Verse 19, therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Now look at verse 21. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. That means that David loved Saul. We're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. And he became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent, sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Now the last thing that we talked about in David's life was how David went from being anointed, and instead of stepping into the palace, he goes back to his father's pasture. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever questioned the calling that God has placed on your life? Maybe a more accurate way of asking the question would be this. Have you ever walked through a tough season or a difficult season or a long season that made you question the calling that God had placed on your life? I think the, the, the reason why it's important for us to kind of address this question and talk about it is because as the people of God, and this is a topic that we get into in church a lot, but as the people of God, one of the things that we struggle with so much is time and timing. God allows us to walk through seasons, and we don't know often how long the seasons are going to be. The thing about seasons is that they come and go. It says throughout scripture, and it came to pass. I love that phrase because it always serves as a reminder to me that most seasons don't come to stay. They come to pass. The season that you're in now might seem like a long, difficult season, but don't worry, it will come to pass. Here's the thing, though. 
There are seasons that we walk through in life that can sometimes make us feel discouraged and we begin to question our calling. And I think one of the reasons why that sometimes happens is because it takes a process of time for us to walk through certain seasons that we have to pass tests that will enable us to get to the next season and do it successfully. And God will sometimes allow us to walk through those seasons. And I don't know about you, but I've walked through seasons of my life where it took longer than I wanted it to. I've walked through seasons of my life where I grew frustrated because I was like, God, I thought I passed the test already. I've been doing this for a while. I don't want to do this anymore. God, time's almost up, right? 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 Sometimes we get frustrated with God because things take more time than we want them to. I think it's funny the way that we as humans deal with time because time is really a gift from God. But one of the biggest problems that many of us have, and I've heard Pastor Gary say this many, many times, a lot of us have problems because we put God on the clock. We say, God, you got to do it in this time frame. You know what happens when we put God on the clock? God looks down and says, oh, yeah? Let me tell you something about time. I made it. I created it. The world you live in, I hold in my hands. The earth is my footstool. The heavens are my throne. The earth is my footstool. Time that you feel trapped in, that you feel stuck in, this time that you feel is about to go out, I hold it in my hand. You wouldn't know anything about time had I not spoken it into existence. So stop putting me on the clock and trust me because I got the perfect timing worked out for your life. Sometimes we get frustrated with time when we begin to question our calling. Now last week I told you put yourself in David's shoes and think about how heavy it was when he was anointed to one day become king. But now think of David back not in a palace going back to the pasture. I wonder, scripture doesn't tell us this, but I wonder if there were days where David sat out there day after day thinking, here I am a shepherd with the anointing of a king. God, how many days will it be that I have to deal with these sheep? How many days will it be that I got to deal with this stench? How many days will it be that I got to clean up things that I don't really want to clean up? How many days will it be that I got to deal with all of these issues that shepherds have to deal with when the anointing and the gifting and the calling that's on my life is the calling of a king? How long is it going to be, God? I wonder if there were days where David questioned his calling. I wonder if there were times where he said, God, how much longer is it going to take? Did Samuel get it right? Did he really hear from you, God? Did he miss it? Did the prophet miss it this time? Did he tell me I was going to one day become king, but in reality, I'm just going to be in this field forever dealing with sheep? Did he miss it? But I love what happens next because scripture doesn't record David questioning his calling. Instead, we find that David is faithful in the field he's been called to until a new day of appointment comes his way. Now think of it this way. Imagine that David is sitting there thinking, man, I'm chosen to be king, but I'm still here in a field. And then one day, he looks down the road, and there's a man coming toward him. And the man seems to be dressed nicely. And he's surrounded by an accompaniment of people there to protect him. And as the man gets closer, David walks out to greet him. And he says, I'm sorry, sir. Can I help you? You've come out here onto my father's land. And he says, yes. He goes, I'm a servant of the king. He says, I'm sorry, you're a servant of the who? He says, I'm a servant of the king. And, you know, we've had this little situation at the palace. And um, the king, King Saul, he's looking for someone who can play the harp. Because he believes that if someone can come in and play the harp, this will bring peace in the midst of his distress. It will bring peace in the middle of his turmoil. And we've heard, David, that you play the harp. Do you happen to play the harp, David? And David's like, well, as a matter of fact, I play the harp. You're the perfect man for the job, David. I need you to come with me to leave this pasture 
because we're going to the palace today. Now stop right here for just a moment and think about this. If ever David was questioning whether or not the anointing of the king was really on his life, if whether or not Samuel got it right when he anointed him to one day be the king, he totally got his confirmation when a servant of the king said, hey, I'm taking you from the pasture and I'm going to place you in the palace. See, if you're walking through a season right now where you are questioning your calling, let me just give you a piece of advice. Stop questioning your calling and start praying for appointment. Now, you'll get through this season if you choose to be faithful in the field that God has called you to. But don't question the calling if the anointing and the calling of God is on your life. If you're convinced of it, if you know it here so deep inside that nobody can change your mind about it, don't question the calling. Instead, start praying for appointment. Because God wants to take you from the pasture you are currently in into the place that he wants you to go. But he's looking for you to be faithful and have eyes above your circumstances looking for divine appointments along the way. Ooh, somebody got excited. Come on. <laughs> I got to think that at that moment, David felt like he was the luckiest man in the whole world. Because think about this. David is chosen out of everybody in Israel to one day be the king. And then if he wasn't sure about it, he was then chosen, having nothing to do with Samuel, then chosen to be the one person to come and play the harp in the king's court. This was like super confirmation. Yes, that's the place I'm calling you to, and I'm about to take you there right now. Because one day David's in the pasture, the next day he's in the palace, but when he gets to the palace, this is what's more important. It's not about the position of the palace. It's that David realized he was within proximity of his purpose. And if you're faithful in the field that you're currently serving in, God will meet you right where you're at. He'll open doors of divine appointment. And what you'll find is that while you were previously questioning your calling, now you are within proximity of your purpose. Can't you just imagine David saying, there's no way I could have gotten myself here. It was only God that got me here. God, if I ever questioned your promises in the past, I got all the confirmation I need now because I wondered if this was really what you were calling me to, and suddenly, boom, just like that, here I am. Say it again. God wants to take you from the pasture, and he wants to get you closer to the proximity of your purpose, but it's up to us to stop questioning the calling on our lives, and we need to look to him and pray for divine appointments. God will use divine appointments to close the distance of you and your destiny. God will use divine appointments to close the distance between you and your destiny. Now, we could go on and spend a lot of time right there, but like I said, David must have felt like the luckiest man in the world. But for you and I, when we find ourselves in seasons where suddenly God begins to open doors, the one thing we have to understand is it's not just good fortune, it's God's favor. When you begin to take steps closer and closer to the purpose that God has for your life, don't look around and thank this person and that person and say, well, it's all just dumb luck. No, it is the favor of Almighty God because only God can get us to the places he's calling us to go. And if we're faithful in our field, he will open up doors that we can then walk through and step in to our purpose and into our destiny. And I got a lot of notes that I keep coming back to here, but I don't want to get too far away from that. God wants to bring us within the proximity of our purpose. But he's looking for people that will always know and remember who it is that got us there. It's the favor of God that opens doors. And we'll talk more about that in just a second here. But here's another thing I want to say. And I've really felt in my heart over the last couple of days to kind of speak to some people that are in a, a very specific situation, okay? You might be here today and maybe you are working in a job or you're in a position where you have been climbing the ladder. And you've done well for yourself. 
And the purpose and the thing that God has for you in the future is to succeed the person that you are currently serving. See, when David got into the palace, he looked ahead and realized that the person he was now serving was the person he was called to one day succeed. David had to choose to walk this out incredibly delicately because the anointing that was on his life was the anointing of the guy who's sitting in the chair across from him, not the one that he was currently in. He's there to simply serve the man that he will one day succeed. I want to just take a few moments and say this. If you are in a, a position right now where you have been climbing the ladder and you see the appointment, you see that thing up there in front of you, the place that you're striving to get to, when you begin to get closer within the proximity of your purpose, don't force your way into that position. Don't force your way into that position. Now, there's a lot to be said about this, but here's where I want to start. The anointing that's on your life, one of the things that you'll find when you get into the room, into the place that God's calling you, the anointing that's on your life will be like the missing piece that nobody else in the room was able to find. Because you'll walk in and the, God, the giftings that God has given you, the anointing that's on your life, will walk in the door and everybody will look and say, there's something different about you. There's something special about you. There's something that's on you that we didn't currently have here in this room, in this structure, and in this atmosphere. And when David walked in, here's what's so interesting, okay? Catch this. When Scripture says that there was a tormenting spirit that was going after Saul, David walks into the room and begins to play the harp. Now, why was it that that tormenting spirit began to come to peace when David walked into the room? Was it because he was a really good harpist? It's because the anointing that used to be on Saul that surrounded him with peace was now upon David. And when David walked into the room, he brought that peace with him. And see, you might be in a position right now where you look ahead and you say, I don't know how I'm going to get from here to there. But the closer God brings you within the proximity of your purpose, you need to understand that the gifting and the anointing that's on your life will be the missing piece in the room that you walk into. But you need to not walk in there proudly. You have to walk it out humbly. You have to walk it out humbly. Now, man, we could just stay here for such a long time. And I'm really excited because there's so much to this, but the anointing that's on you can be the missing piece because you are uniquely gifted for the position that's in front of you. But you, if you are currently serving the person that you will one day succeed, don't force yourself into the position. Instead, faithfully serve in the position you've been placed in. Listen to this, okay? This is what Peter said in one of his epistles. This is 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6. He says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. In other words, God believes in authority. Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another. And be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but God gives grace to the humble. Now, check this out. Verse 6, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt. You know what other translations say? That he may promote you in due time. One of the things that happens so often when we have a calling or an anointing or a gifting on our life is we start to get within proximity of our purpose and we begin to force our hand to get to the place we want to go. And what we forget is that Peter's reminding us right here that it's not man, it is God who promotes. 
And if you are in a position right now where you feel like, man, I, it's like within reaching distance. I can almost reach out and grab it. Don't reach out and grab it if it means that you put down the leader that you are supposed to be serving. Because God's calling you to serve that leader. Submit yourself under the authority of those who are in front of you. And there's a day coming that God will allow you to smoothly succeed the leader that you are serving. Now, one thing I wanted to do later in this message, but I knew we weren't going to have time. Later on, one of the pictures that we see in David's life is that as David and the anointing and the gifting that God has placed him just really rises to the surface, Saul becomes so envious of David that Scripture tells us he's fearful of David, he's scared of David, and he's so intimidated by the anointing that is on David's life that he tries to kill him multiple times. And time after time after time after time, David finds himself in positions where he can take out Saul, and instead he says, I choose not to touch the Lord's anointed. Because David projected forward and realized, one day I'm going to sit in that seat, and I want to set an example for those who are coming behind me. Is everybody with me so far this morning? See, it says earlier on in this passage that when David began to serve in the courts of Saul, it said that David loved Saul. David loved Saul. If you go back and look at the original Hebrew, that word love, it literally meant like one friend loves another. Here's the thing. It's not like David was there to be Saul's friend. He was the king. He didn't have access to come there, rub shoulders with him, and be all buddy-buddy. Hey, you want to hang out this weekend? That's not why David was there. But instead, he chose to love him, see the best in him, look out for the best interests of the nation around him. And every time he looked at Saul, even when Saul got it wrong, he said, I respect that man. I submit to his authority because I know that one day God's going to promote me to the place he's calling me to go. If we can choose to understand the authority that God has placed in front of us, we will successfully navigate the path that he's placed before us. But we need to choose to serve and to honor those who are in authority over us. David learned this lesson, and it set him up for success in the future. Everybody with me so far? Yeah. All right. Now, we, we could take a whole lot of time to talk more about some of the things that are in that passage. But there's one other scene I want to look at, and it transitions perfectly from that place into the next scene, okay? The next thing I want to look at real quick is one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible. It's definitely, without question... The most famous story in the life of David. It's the story of David and Goliath. Okay? So David anointed to be king. Goes back and serves in his father's fields. One day he's called to go to the palace and play the harp for the king. And then it says that not only does he do that consistently, but he also becomes Saul's armor bearer. He, he becomes Saul's armor bearer. But we also know from the next chapter, which is 1 Samuel 17, that from the time David goes to the palace, he goes occasionally back and forth to his father's house. And he still goes back on occasion and takes care of his father's sheep. So it happens that when David goes back to see his father to take care of the sheep, one day he's away for a few days, and then the lights just go out. <laughs> Funny how things happen with God, you know, like... But David goes back to take care of his father's sheep, and while he's gone, it says that the armies of the Philistines come up against Israel, and they have this standoff, because the Israelite army looks to be stronger than the Philistine army. It's just that the Philistine army has one thing the Israelites don't. They got this giant named Goliath. So David comes back from his father's house, and he gets out to the battlefield, and look what happens. This is 1 Samuel 17, next chapter up. Look at verse 23. Then as he talked with them, talking about David talking with his brothers and the other soldiers that were there, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words. In other words, everything that they had said Goliath was just saying, David's now hearing it 
with his own ears. So David heard them. And all of the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Now look at verse 26. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Look at verse 32. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. In other words, king, don't let anybody be discouraged or troubled because of what this giant is saying. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. Verse 34 says, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. In other words, yeah, but you know what qualifies me to fight this guy? I used to be a shepherd. Think about how silly that sounds. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when, I, and when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. I love the way David speaks. He's like, listen, man, when I was a shepherd, I killed a lion and I killed a bear, and that guy over there, he's about to be just like them. I'm going to take him out. I love his confidence, and I love his boldness. It's amazing. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul clothed David. Now listen to this. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk in these, for I've not tested them. So David took off Saul's armor. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had, and his sling was also in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. Now, we're not going to read the rest of this because you know what happens next. David reaches down into that pouch. He grabs one of those smooth stones. He pulls out that slingshot. He rises it up, raises it up above his head. He begins to spin it back and forth. And when he throws that stone, it catches the giant right in the head. It takes him down, knocks him out. David goes, cuts off Goliath's head, and brings it back to Israel and to the king and says, Look what I got. But here's what's really important, and I want to just focus in for a few moments. When you look at this picture in David's life, you would think that a monumental battle where David fights Goliath and kills this giant that nobody else has been able to beat, you would think that this story would happen later in David's life. You would think this would be like the pinnacle, like the climax moment of David's life, like, oh my gosh, I've lived all my life preparing me to get to this point, and now that I've killed the giant, it's time to retire or something. You would think that that would happen later on in the story, but still we see that this happens at such a young age in David's life. And we've talked about this a few times in church before, but it's so important that we all understand. It wasn't that David was more skilled than any of the other soldiers there. There were people that could handle a sword just as well as David could handle a sling and a stone. There were people that, there, there that day that could fight better than David, probably fist to fist. There were people that had been to war many more times. We don't know at this point if David had ever done that before or not. But what we know is that when David got there that day, everybody was scared to fight a giant. And when David heard it with his own ears, what the giant was saying, it hit David in a way that it didn't hit everybody else. Because David had a heart after God. And when he stood there, he realized, this guy's not just speaking against me. 
he's not just speaking against these people. He's speaking against my God who is bigger than any Philistine giant. My God who is bigger than any battle or any warrior that I might ever face. And you have to look back at this moment before you think about David killing the giant and you have to realize that David has already been in a field or been called out of a field and anointed randomly to one day become king. And then if he ever started to doubt it, he was called out by the king's servant randomly to come and serve in the palace of the king. And when David got within proximity of his purpose, he realized it's right there. It's right out in front of me. It's not that far away. And suddenly here's this giant speaking against him, his nation, and his God. David knew he had already come too far to let some giant tell him what he was and wasn't going to step into. I'm getting a little excited up here right now. David knew that it was only God that could have brought him to a place where he'd be anointed to be king. David knew it was only God that could call him out of that field again and be called to serve in the king's palace. And when he was coming back to go about his duties, he realized that it would be God who would fight with him because no giant was going to stand in the way of his purposes. David understood this, but why did he know it? Why did he know it? Because we see from this last passage that we read that when David was in the field as a shepherd, one day he was attacked by a bear, and then another day he was attacked by a lion. And both times, the practice that he had gained with the sling and the stone came in handy because he was able to save those sheep from the hand of the lion and the bear. And see, those days of victories against a lion and a bear might have seemed insignificant because he was just a shepherd boy in the field. But when David stood before a giant, he understood, look, I got nothing to lose. I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. God has called me. He's brought me this far. There's nothing that's going to stand in my way now. And if you get to a place where you are facing new giants, the thing you have to do, like we talked about earlier, is you got to look at your old victories and remind yourself that there's no new giant that can stand in the way of the purposes that God has for your life. There's nothing that can stand in the way of the purposes that God has for your life. David knew that Goliath was merely an obstacle standing between him and his destiny. Goliath was merely an obstacle standing between him and his destiny. And isn't it interesting that at every season and every stage along the way, there's a different obstacle, there's a different battle, and then finally David comes up against the giant. Don't you think that after David killed Goliath, he from that point on thought, man, there ain't nothing I'm afraid of anymore. I'm not afraid of anything that might come my way in the future. But even after he kills Goliath, he doesn't automatically become king because in all reality, God was simply using this moment to give him the confidence he needed to step into the future battles that he would face. We have to learn as the people of God that every season we'll have new battles. But with every battle we're victorious in, it's another notch in our belt that gives us hope for the faithfulness of our God, knowing that no matter what's in front of us, God will be with us. It doesn't matter. You know, we talked a little bit about loyalty earlier on. David served in Saul's court, okay? And before he would ever go out to fight Goliath, the way the story plays out is so interesting because I've heard sermons preached about, you know, the armor of Saul being given to David. And there's some really interesting stuff going on there in that passage of Scripture. But it's interesting, in the previous chapter, it says that not only did David come and serve in Saul's court and play the harp, but it also said that David was Saul's armor bearer. David was Saul's armor bearer. And the job of an armor bearer was essentially to accompany the king for any of his personal needs that he had, but especially when going to battle, this was the guy that carried the armor of the king. 
Now, when Saul was anointed to become the king of Israel, Scripture tells us that Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. He looked kingly. He looked like a man that people could look up to. And so when it came to the armor that he had, this was a heavy load for David to carry around. And when David got within proximity of his purpose and he was serving in Saul's courts, one of his jobs as being the armor bearer, listen to this now, one of the jobs and one of the things that he was being equipped for was understanding to carry the weight of the king. When you find, getting, find yourself getting within the proximity of your purpose, it's not just so that you can feel good about how much closer you're getting. You're going to then begin to see the responsibility and the weight of the responsibility that you're walking into. If God begins to open doors for you to step into your calling, one of the things that you're going to find is there's some weight that comes along with being in that role. And when David was serving in Saul's court, he got a glimpse of the weight of carrying what Saul carried. So he understood it. But when he stepped out into battle, when his time come to face a giant, it's so interesting how Saul looked at him and says, okay, here's what you're going to need. Take my helmet. Take my shield. Take all of my armor and put it on yourself. And can't you see David, who was probably much, much shorter than Saul and smaller and skinnier than Saul, trying to put all this on, and he's walking out there feeling like, I can't do this because I'm not you. And there's many of you right now that you're in a position that you're looking ahead. Maybe, like I said earlier, you're serving the person that you're going to one day succeed. And you look at the way they do things and you're like, I can't do that. But what you're learning right now is what it feels like to carry the weight that they carry. Because when David looked out at the giant, he said, you know what? I, I don't feel comfortable with this armor. I don't feel comfortable walking in your armor. And I want to say to you today that God's not calling you to walk in anybody else's anointing. The place that he's calling you to, when the time comes for you to fight giants, what's going to happen is you're going to set down the armor of others and you're going to look back and say, over the years I've developed these skills. These are the tools that God has given me. Here's what I'm good at. And God won't call you to walk in somebody else's anointing. You'll step into a place where it's your time to fight a giant and you will begin to go to work with the tools that God has given you and you will realize that all along God has been doing something in my life for all of these years that have shaped me for this moment. And he's using my experiences to take me to the place he's calling me to go. And look at how David doesn't walk out in Saul's armor. Instead, he says, I got this sling and I got this stone. I've been working at it for years. I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. I look back at past victories and I know that that was all I needed because my God was with me. I don't need your anointing and I don't need your armor. Instead, I'm walking out to fight this giant with the gifts that God has given me. God has gifted you uniquely for the place and the position that he is calling you to go. And right now, if you feel a little inadequate and if you feel a little insecure because the way the person in front of you doesn't, does it isn't the way that you would do it, God's not calling you to walk in their armor. He's simply calling you to understand the weight of what they carry. And if you can understand the weight of what they carry, one day you'll walk into that position with your tools and with your strengths and with your abilities and you will be able to do it in your own unique way that God has gifted you to do it. But here's the thing. You have to learn to submit to the process, like we talked about last week, and you need to honor the person that you are serving. Why? Because it's God who promotes. Do you know how many people there are on the face of the earth today that have the gifting of God, the calling of God, the anointing of God on their life? And the closer they get into the proximity of their purpose, they see the position out in front of them. And what do they do? They force their way into that position, and everything starts to go wrong because it all happens through seeds of dishonor to the people that they're serving. You all see it in your workplace all the time. And how many people would lift your hand and say, yep. <laughs> you serve the boss face-to-face -face faithfully, but behind his back you say something else about him because you don't like the way that he does it. 
And if I was in that position, I would do it differently. Even when Saul tried to kill David later on, he said, I will not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed because one day I'm going to sit in that seat and I want to set an example for those who are behind me. When you think about the position you want, are you thinking about the people who are behind you? I believe God wants us to walk in humility toward the calling that he's placed in front of us. Knowing that it's not about us kicking down a door to get into the position. It's about God promoting us on our day of appointment. God used seasons and different scenes in David's life between the time of his anointing and the time of his appointing to shape him into the person he was calling him and creating him to be. You and I have to understand that no matter how difficult the season might be in our life that we find ourselves in, God wants to use this season to shape you into the person he's calling you to be. Submit to the process. Don't give up. If you feel like questioning your calling, don't question your calling. Ask God for divine appointment. Ask him to close the distance between you and your destiny. And when you find yourself again within the proximity of God's promise and your purpose, get there and serve faithfully and humbly because there is coming a day of appointment. I'll say this one more time because I ended this way last week. I don't want anything less than the best that God has for my life. Don't settle on the other side of the Jordan. Do the hard yards. Get wet. Get your feet wet. Go across. Be faithful in the season that God has called you to. And when you get there, you will see God walk you into promotion, and you will find the fulfillment of his destiny all over your life. Why? Because his anointing will be poured out into your life, and you will do all the things for his kingdom's sake that you've been called to do. How many people want that today? Amen. Would you bow your head with me this morning? We're going to close the message here, and then we have just a couple more things to do. Please, everybody, hang tight. We just have a few more minutes. Please wait till the end of service to go, just out of respect for everybody else that's around you. You know, when we talk about anointing, I know that there's a lot of you that maybe that sounds like a spiritual word that you're not all that familiar with. When we talk about the favor of God, maybe you stand here today and you ask yourself the question, do I have the favor of God in my life? And the answer you immediately get is, I'm not even sure I'm in a relationship with God. I want to tell you this morning that God loved you so much that he gave his own son to have the opportunity to have that relationship with you. Scripture tells us that we've been separated from God because of our sin. It's the times we got it wrong when we disobeyed God and we fell short of his perfection. And it's sin that separates us from God. And when God saw how great the divide was between us, he knew he had to send someone greater. That's why he sent Jesus, the son of God, the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God who came to this life, came to this earth and lived a sinless, spotless life and went to a cross and died a death that you and I deserve for our sin. And all we would have to do is put our faith in Jesus and in that sacrifice that he made and we could be redeemed, we could be renewed, we could be forgiven of all of our sins. But scripture says that he didn't stop there. Three days after Jesus died for our sins, God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave for all of eternity so that when you and I step into eternity, we would not have to face those things. But it's up to us to put our faith in Jesus. Scripture says we are saved by grace. God gives us grace for salvation, but it's up to us to reach out in faith and receive it. I want to ask you today, would you accept Jesus into your life to become your Lord and your Savior? Because if you will, he's got better plans for your life than you have for yourself. But not only that, he wants to save you and forgive you and redeem you and set you free in this life and in the life that is to come. 
I'm going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. Maybe you need to make a decision to commit your life to God today. I want to invite you to pray along with us and just mean it with everything inside of you. Maybe you're here today and you need to recommit your life to God because you know you've been walking down a different path than the one that he has for your life. I encourage you again, just wrap your heart around these words when we pray right out loud here in just a moment. The scripture says that you will be saved, forgiven, and set free today. Right now, right out loud, I want to ask everybody in the house if you would repeat these words and pray with me. Mean it with everything inside. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for dying for me. I believe that you were raised from the dead so that I could be set free and I could have life. Today I choose you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to learn your ways. From this day forward, I'm a child of God. The old is gone. The new has come. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and you prayed that prayer and you know right down deep in your heart you made a commitment to follow Jesus today, please hear me on this. This is so important. This might be the most important thing we'll do all morning. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, we want to give you a free gift. It's a simple tool, a small book called The Next Seven Days to help you start your walk with God. There's two different ways that you can get it. We'll have some prayer teams right down here in front of the platform after service. If you need someone to pray with you, if you've got something going on in your life and you need someone just to stand with you, believe with you, and pray with you, please come say hi to one of these prayer teams. Let them pray with you. But if you made a decision to follow Jesus, let them know, I prayed the prayer today, I made a decision, and I want to get the book. They'll give it to you. It's free. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help in any way that we can going forward. You can get the same thing by going to the next seven days desk in the foyer before you walk out the glass doors. Let them know today I made a decision to follow Christ. I want to get the book and I want to walk with Jesus. They'll give it to you and help you out in any way that we can. We're so glad you made that decision today. It's the best decision. This sounds so simple, but it's the most important decision that you could ever make in life is choosing to follow Jesus. And we want to walk it out with you and we're glad you made that decision today. Can we put our hands together and welcome some people into the family of God this morning? Awesome. God bless you. We're glad you made that decision. You know, earlier on in our service, we were worshiping God in song. We were lifting our hands. We were singing songs. We were lifting our voice and giving God praise and worship. But that's not the only way that we do it. There's so many different ways that we honor God with our lives. And one of the ways that we do that as his church and as his people is to bring our tithes and our offerings into God's house. We're going to do that right now as a continuation and extension of our worship. And I just want to take a moment and I want to thank everybody here for your faithfulness and giving. Thank you so much for taking your place in the house of God and the kingdom of God and saying, God, I put you first. We recognize that as a church, we are able to do so much more because of people who honor God as, as their source and say, God, you've been so good to me. And so we choose to put you first and honor you with my tithe, my first tenth, as well as offerings. And so thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving. As a church, we're doing so many great things around the world and in this community. It's great. This week, right now, today, as we're talking about this, Pastor Gary and Pastor Ann are in Kenya visiting the church that we built there last summer. And that is such an amazing thing. And that's something that has happened because of people's generosity and their faithfulness and giving. Simply partnering with God and being the local church. We don't just go to church. We are the church. We are being the church. So thank you so much for the part that you play in doing everything that you do. We're so grateful for it. There's different ways that you can give up on the screen. If you want to text to give later, if you want to give online as well, you can always do that. And if you're a guest today, please know that we don't give out of pressure. We don't give out of compulsion. We give to honor God because we believe that he's good and we give out of a free will. So thank you again for your giving this morning. And as we give, as our ushers come to receive it, let's check out church news.
Julian, and I want to welcome you to The Bridge. We are so glad that you and your family are here with us. If you are joining us for the first time today, we also want to give you an extra special welcome and say thanks so much for choosing to spend your morning with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected so you can find your place in the church. So take a look at church news and let's see what's coming up at The Bridge. Then we'll be right back to tell you how you can get involved. Hey parents, next Sunday, June 10th is Promotion Sunday, and we would love to meet with you and your student to talk about transitioning from Bridge Kids to Bridge Youth. If you have a child entering the sixth grade, we want to meet with you. Please join us next Sunday morning, immediately following our 9.30 a.m. service in the Youth Center. We want to give you the opportunity to meet our youth leaders, ask questions, and tell you all the details about their promotion into Bridge Youth. It is an honor and privilege for us to serve your students here at the Bridge and we want to do our best as pastors to help them navigate this transition. We hope you'll join us next Sunday morning. Again, that's immediately following our 9.30 service in the youth center. Sunday, June 17th is Dad's Day here at The Bridge. We want to celebrate all the dads with a very special day in church, and we would love for you and your family to join us. We'll have a gift for every dad in attendance, and we'll also celebrate the day with a classic car, hot rod, and bike expo after each of our services. If you have a classic car, hot rod, or bike that you would like to display, stop by the Connection Center after service and sign up to display your ride. We hope you'll join us on Sunday, June 17th for Dad's Day here at The Bridge. Here at The Bridge, we believe God does amazing things when His people gather to pray and lift Him up in praise and worship. So, we want to invite you to join us this Wednesday night, June 6th at 7 p.m. for a night of worship and prayer. Bridge Kids will take place for all kids up to fifth grade. Come join us as we seek God together, knowing that as we do, He will move mightily in our lives, our church, and our community. If you are joining us for the first time today, we want to invite you to come to the Connection Center right after this service. Our team is there to meet you, answer your questions, and give you all of the details about how you can get involved here at The Bridge. Take a few minutes to stop by and say hi before you go today. We want to do our best to help you get connected and find a home here in the church. Or maybe you made a decision to commit your life to Christ. Be sure to pick up your free copy of the next seven days right after this service. We want to help you get started in your walk with God and discover everything he has in store for your life. Don't do your journey of faith alone. Let us help you take your next steps. For info on anything else, you can always check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today. Awesome. Well, hey, last thing for you this morning. This Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we have worship and prayer night here at the church. And I don't know how many of you were here for our last worship and prayer night that we had earlier in the year. But so far, it was like my favorite night of the year that we've had. It was one of the highlights of this year so far. And I just want to encourage you. We packed this place out last time, and we're really excited. We'll be combining with Bridge Youth. If you have kids, bring your kids. We'll have Bridge Kids on that night. It's going to be a great night. So this is really for everyone. It's going to be a powerful, powerful night. We're going to be praying for a host of things, but we're also going to be praying for needs. So listen, if you've got needs in your life, we really believe in the power of prayer. How many people believe that God answers prayer? I want to encourage you to be here. Wednesday night, 7 p.m.